Welcome, Avin Cassidy. Hello. I'm so excited you're here. Um, so for those who don't know you, tell tell my audience just a little bit about yourselves. And um, I always think it's really fun when I have two guests to maybe have you tell the audience about the other person. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I like that. Okay. So everyone wants uh, to go first. I'll go first and I'll speak about Cassidy. This is thrilling. I mean, I've never gotten this one. <laughs> um, okay. So Cassidy is in her grad program right now at NYU. And um, we met, we met at UT. I know that's kind of about me. And she called <laughs> me, I know it's kind of about me, sorry. She called me with the idea for the podcast that we currently run, Broadway Bullshit. Um, I think a, an admirable quality of Cassidy's is that she's always been very community oriented in the theater that she creates. She wants to make sure that um, the people in her life feel loved and that those around her like feel safe. Um, and the theater that she's been in and the theater that I've been in, the theater that most of us been in has not always made us feel that way. Um, and so when she called me with this idea, I was like, yeah, this is exactly what me and Cassidy should be talking about is how to make theater something that brings joy back to us because she inspires so much joy. Um, hmm. That's so sweet. Yeah. I don't know. Cassie's also kind of got her life together. Oh, it's gold. not feeling that way, but thank you. Very kind. <laughs> <laughs> Abby is the definition of a multi-hyphenate out here. Left me at UT, went to USC, um, and experienced their performance and scenic painting and tech design, went on to do scenic painting professionally for a little bit, and is continuing to venture on in that multi-hyphenate discovery right now, working on set for some undisclosed TV shows. Mm -hmm. And Abby was always the perfect partner for this. It wasn't like, hmm, let me really rack my brain about who I should do this with. It was, it screamed out to me and Abby really has a mind that I think is so interesting in the way that they view things, in the way that they think, in the way in a director's mind and in a personal and interpersonal world mind. And it, I don't know, it makes us great collaborators and I appreciate their friendship even more. Yeah, yeah that was sweet. Doesn't that feel good? <laughs> yeah, that was nice. Spending <laughs> my day with a fucking honey. I mean, are we allowed to cuss on this? Yeah, you can cuss. Oh, great question. Okay. <laughs> What I, what I find really fascinating about both of you is you're young and um, you've been very ambitious in, in speaking out. And I think that's what's really remarkable to me. Um, I feel like most people entering the world of professional anything, you know, as they start to, to venture out into that, what really want to play it safe. They want to feel like they need to learn the ropes and get experience before they make a statement, right? Before they feel like it's a, it's a safe place for them to do that. And I think it's really remarkable that you saw a problem and weren't afraid to, to create a space in which you speak up about it. Um, uh, and I'm, I'm afraid well, okay, so talk about that. There's, yeah, I'm afraid we. Especially well, well, before we, but tell tell the audience because you did mention Broadway bullshit as your podcast. Right. What is the purpose of your podcast? What are you hoping that this will generate or do? Not necessarily just for you, but for the community and as a whole. 
Yeah. So we started this journey with our fancy buzz line of like reforming the industry via reforming the canon. And I think these older music, so we would once a week um, review a musical and decide if it should fly, die, or retry in the current age, which adds some comedy to it while also assessing it through a lens of social progress and activism and what does the story say now versus what it said then. And I think that platform allowed us to, it didn't feel like we were marching to the doors of big Broadway agents and saying, you're doing it wrong because we were able to take these shows that were written so long ago or some of them written very recently. We weren't only looking at Golden Age. And I think this podcast has progressed now that we just want to have more conversations with people in the industry and with people in this world and what their, what their envisioned change is because yeah it's it's happening in small steps some might say it's not happening at all others may say and we yeah my my fancy cover letter line right now is like it is theater that was my first love and is theater that I want to be on the front lines for making a better world and I think this podcast really reflects that honestly that's a really good line for your cover letter that probably <laughs> thank you Holy crap. <laughs> um, yeah, that's definitely, and I, and I also got into it for selfish reasons because it was an opportunity to talk about theater again once a week during mm -hmm. the middle of a pandemic with somebody whose opinion of theater that I actually uh, gave a shit about. Um, <laughs> like I, Cassidy and I always say stuff and I'm like, yeah, that's, yeah, say, talk about that. Because um, especially, I remember early on, Cassie and I would have to text after we recorded episodes and be like, did we like that we said that? Did we like that we said that? Because it's, it's beyond the fact of like, we're 20-somethings with pretty little experience in the industry and we have only heard so many horror stories and you can only hear so many horror stories before you get a little freaked out. Uh, it's weird putting your own voice out there when you haven't ever done something like that in this way. And we got attention, which was weird. Um, and every now and then I still have to ca text Cassidy and I'm like, what about this? That I said that, did that sound wrong? Did I mention somebody's name? Like there is an anxiety that does live with it, but I, it's like managing it. And oh, I think remembering that at the end of the day, like, I have, I have good intentions and that's all I can do. And if I screw it up, all I can do is try and course correct after the fact, like, and breathing on that. But fear does exist. <laughs> yeah. I try to center on like, is it truthful? Is it informed? And past that, then you just kind of have to let it go into the ether. And I've become more okay with that. I will share that we roasted the living oh God out of Dear Evan Hansen. And I now work for the theater that like started it. So, you know, things happen. But they don't know about my podcast. Um, <laughs> you, think they, you think they don't know. I'm kidding. Yeah, that's very true. I I went on an interview once where someone had like Googled me and it was a, I was like looking for a day job. They were like, so we found your podcast. Oh, all right. Hello. Goodness. <laughs> but yes, this podcast began in October of 2020, which is Whoa. hard to believe that we've been in a podcast and in a pandemic this long. <laughs> and <laughs> I think, too, um, we get some hot takes emailed to us. People are really defensive of their favorite stories. And that makes sense to me. I'm really defensive of my favorite stories. Um, we get less people angry about what we've said about the industry, which is like 
great. It, hopefully well, it's hard to argue against that, right? <laughs> yeah. That's harder That's to argue against because there's facts, right? And stories, <laughs> you can, you know, stories are made up most of the time. So, yeah. Another fun thing about the podcast that qualms my anxieties and another fun fact about Cassidy is that she hates poop humor and I get her to make poop jokes on the podcast. So honestly, it's so true. We really go ahead. Make it all worth as long it, as know? Cassidy makes poop jokes, you have succeeded. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. It really Got has it. been nice to just create this safe, artistic, but also just really comedic space. Abby and I's friendship really existed early on of riffing on each other and just messing around and doing funny bits. And so to let that live in this space where it's kind of welcomed and and enjoyed by others, like we do get very good compliments on it. So it's it's just nice to have that space and to be able to be goofy with it at the same time. So you started this podcast October 2020. What were the challenges you felt in getting it off the ground? Uh, yeah, just start there. Tell me what were the challenges in get, just figuring it out and and getting it going? Um, for one, I didn't know how to edit a podcast. And so I there was this one day that I spent... I just like really hyper-focused and it was like 13 hours of my day. I sat watching videos, figuring some shit out, figuring out what to say to Cassidy to like guide us through this whole pro like that side of the process. That was a huge learning curve that continued to be a problem, frankly, until we got Varun. <laughs> frankly, until we got our guy that does it for us. Shout out to Varun. Always shout, shout out, out always. Abby, Abby's giving themselves ample credit, but even more so, Abby wasn't producing episodes that sounded bad in any way. Abby learned and mastered this trade. It may it may have been more complicated on their end to piece it all together, but every time I listen, I'm always like, oh, this audio Thanks. quality. But we really, we really started as the two of us um, recording on Apple headphones until we decided to splurge for the better equipment and figuring this out truly from the bottom. I was at a job I didn't like where I didn't do too much during the day. And mm. I just spent that time figuring out, okay, we need a website. Let's build it. Okay, let's do this. My childhood friend, Sarah Lassert, came on board and did all of our graphics, all of our social media. I was really moved by how a friend who, who knew and like grew up with theater, but mainly liked it because of me was like, all right, I'm here. Let's go. I'm on board. Let's make this happen. And we've really had a lot of kind friends and community members step up to do the same. And that's moving and exciting. Isn't that amazing how that happens? I think that a lot of people who um, have an idea, because I have a lot of listeners who aren't just theater fans, right? So they have an idea, they want to get a podcast, or they want to start a YouTube channel, or they want to create something, a platform. Um, and the hardest part is just getting started. And it's just it's yeah. just allowing yourself to start messy, start with just Apple headphones and be okay with that, right? Yeah, and that as an artist holds me back a lot. I think I was proud of the way that I was able to just jump in and say, okay, it will be what it will because I I think a lot of artists house a lot of ideas in their brain um, and creatives and say, okay, I have this, but what's really gonna come of it? Or how would I really do this? Or who would really listen? And we had all of those things and kind of forged ahead. And we're like, oh my gosh, people who aren't just our parents and our close friends are listening. And this is becoming a thing and we're getting traction. 
So I think, yeah, I think doing it and understanding that it's not going to be the perfect product round one and that's okay. Yeah. yeah. I think that was the the only way the, our podcast actually survived is every time we had a problem and like we couldn't make a, a release date or something, we decided to just call it like it was like, I remember one time in the first season we got tired and we didn't want to record because we weren't very funny because we were tired from being people <laughs> on top of making this random podcast. And we just posted. We were like, we're tired. We'll be back next week. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And like, that's just how we run this podcast and it works for us. And I think that's helped us be able to continue to create it. How many downloads are you at now? Do you know? That's a great question. I think the last time I checked, it's around 3,000. That's amazing. Yeah, which is great. Every every time we check the numbers, I'm, I don't know. It's it's exciting that people are on this journey with us and it does feel like that even though i have you know that abby and i have our strong connection and stand as co-hosts like it really has evolved to feel like a community amongst the people who listen and interact with us on social media and send us funny stuff which is great so what is your hope like what are you hoping that you'll be able to affect within the industry with this i think Especially since we started with musicals, we were at first attempting just a new level of consciousness when engaging with this art. Uh, a level of, okay, what story is being told and why is that and what is that reflective of? And so in starting that conversation, I think we knowingly but a little bit unknowingly as well started a conversation about the industry as well we've had producers come on the show we and as things topically came up within the industry we would speak about that so we the day that heather shields joined us was a day that we were talking about scott rudin and we were talking about karen olivo leaving um moulin rouge and yeah, so I, I hope to bring about a conversation and I hope to bring about an understanding for people going into this or who are consumers of this, of the needed changes and the gaps from where we are to where we should be. And I also think that because we stay a comedy com a comedy podcast, not by intention, but by uh, nature of me and Cassidy's friendship, um, I think that what I hope that we contribute to that conversation is that it doesn't have to be like an egocentric conversation. It can just be a conversation the way conversations happen. You can make little jokes in between. Like it can be reformation's important and it's big and it's going to cause some like personal stake in the matter to get in the way, you know, but we can all just vibe through it together. That's what I would <laughs> like for it to <laughs> inspire. I love that. Yeah. I love that. So what are the, okay, so let's talk about some of the subject matter within your podcast. What are the recurring themes that you've noticed that made you want to even start a podcast that calls out musicals on their bullshit, as you, as you call it? <laughs> yeah. Well, it first started with some of these Golden Age shows were just trash that I was watching. Like, truly, I texted Abby being like, this can die. Like, this is a bad Name show. Why are Name them. Which one? Um, what were we watching? Oh, oh it, She Loves Me, I yeah. think. Um, yeah, the new production. What was that? All this star power in it. What kind of story was that? Okay, but respectfully, respectfully, the set is the cutest set I've ever seen in my entire life. The way that show moves 
is so freaking cool. And this, I think this is actually literally the conversation we had before we opened the podcast. (laughs) It was really just like, what do we do with some of these old shows? How do we, what is their value today? And what is their cost today? And especially in um, We See You White American Theater and Black Theater United emerging, how can we evolve these stories if they are, still inherently valuable and equitable to include more people and be more accessible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you look at she loves me that last revival, do you think that show would be produced the same way today? And that was just like four years ago. Yeah, It was recently. It was an all white cast, right? And was it post me too? Yeah. It was post me too. Mm -hmm. And that, and what shocked me too was the case. There was no person of color in the principal players that I can recall, there may have been a person of color in the ensemble. Truly a maybe there too. Yeah, and then awful. speaking on that, like another big trope that I've noticed that's that's particularly disheartening is that um, a lot of the diversity that is seen is like seen in the cast, but is not reflected in the creative team created the, mm-hmm. show, the show either, um, or like reflected in the creative team the production team within like the theater companies themselves. So it's, it's, there have been moments on this podcast where I've been like, actually we have to slow down because I'm learning too much sad information at one time. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. It's me as a white person. Like, like it, I can't even, you know, it's me. Yeah. I'm like, well, I see myself and I only see myself. And that is, I mean, it makes, it makes the diversity feel a little performative sometimes, you know? Well, I mean, I, I do think that, I, I like I said, I don't think that those shows would be produced the same way today post-pandemic. Um, but then you do look at something like The Music Man. However, yeah. however, the ensemble is much more diverse. It's just that, you know, I don't understand why the principals aren't. I don't understand why the show's back on Broadway, but <laughs> I, I one of the things Abby and I ran into around this too is we, for our first February on the pod, we are like, okay, how are we going to do Black History Month on this podcast? Are we going to do a month full of like Black musicals? And we went back and forth because half of, most of them are not written by black authors so then it was that okay do we want to do we want to use this story but this story was told by a white person can we and we ended up um doing the musical passing strange Mm -hmm. uh which was great and very cool (laughs) and not something i had given much light to before but you run especially when you are presenting publicly too and we do have listeners who and this always surprises me but enjoy us enough to have not seen the show we're talking about and yeah. still listen always shocks me love those guys and yeah decisions around that are challenging when you're trying to speak about moving an industry forward that isn't there yet yeah yeah but would we be able to have these conversations if those things didn't exist right it's it's such an interesting like I think about, you know, she loves me presents an issue, right? It presents several issues, right? Of hmm. our history. It's I think that's why people like a lot of these shows is nostalgia, right? They like Music Man because everyone did it in high school. Um, yeah, you know, so there's nostalgia related to it. But but you're right. I think that you know when you in my experience of doing musicals, which we talked about on on my episode of your podcast, you know, I did a musical that was. Uh, you know, subject matter, huge part of the subject 
was slavery and they were trying to make slavery a secondary storyline. Slavery can never be a secondary storyline in any piece. It can never be. It's always going yeah. to be the thing that people are going to leave with. And so, um, and that was a sh- an entire show written by white people and directed and, and produced by white people. And it's just always an interesting thing to sort of witness. But so I do think that, you know, you are mentioning and calling out something that's interesting to me. Um, that I think that needs to be called out and especially by young people, because they're going to be the future ticket buyers. They're the the current ticket buyers. They're the people who are going to be producing and creating theater. And so creating consciousness around it, I think is super important. Yeah. I think when we tell people that our, thank you firstly, and um, I think when we tell people that our pilot is the King and I, they tend to understand the vibe of the show. <laughs> a perfect example of truly no one on the creative team actually reflected the diversity written into the show that time. <laughs> truly written into the show. Have you done Flower Drum Song? No. No, it's on the list, though. Yeah. I haven't seen it in its entirety, truthfully. Have you done Pacific Overtures? No. no. Also on you the should list. do like an With Asian South American Pacific. month, like Retail South Pacific yeah. or Asian history month or maybe you know like you could you could cover those those are that's that's fascinating okay but i'm really curious because i have strong opinions about Darren hansen (laughs) so what was your stance on that i haven't listened to that episode um our episode title was waving through a weak book Uh, (laughs) and i think that's it truthfully i think the movie did a good job of trying to repair that and figure that out Um, did they did they Better. I, I've been comparing yeah. the movie to Cyberbully on ABC, if anyone grew up with that, like, for home movie. It was like they really tried to talk about the issues and really missed the mark, and I kind of feel similarly with Dear Evan Hansen. Yeah, yeah. There was just, like, actually no conclusion to that show. He just kind of got away with it. It was actually more of a spy musical, in my opinion. He, like, ran a heist and then never got caught. Um, I Like, I don't... Yeah, it's Evan Hansen. Yeah, Evan Hansen, the anxious agent, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I didn't like the like generalized anxiety disorder performance. Part. I, I, it, I understood it. I feel like it verged on this like, is he neurodivergent line instead of claiming it or saying that outright they just gave him a bunch of visible ticks, which I had a problem with. Yeah. yeah, I have um, a brother who's on the spectrum and I had a real issue with that too because you're trying to make that like a non-subject matter within this piece of you know it being subject matter. But then it's and not I a, under- it, Yeah. yeah. And, like it being so prevalent that this guy has some issue but you're not actually talking about it. But then he has all these other issues that no one's talking about too. So it's very interesting. It's a, it yeah. was a very frustrating show because I felt like everyone was sort of a villain and I didn't know who to root mm-hmm. for. Yeah. And but then I, I saw... Acknowledge... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, go ahead. That's it. Oh, I also have to acknowledge that when I saw it at 16, as much as I roast it now, uh, when I saw it at 16, I cried from the whole way I left the theater to my hotel. So... <laughs> and But Our... why? But what was it about it at that time? Did you feel seen? Did you feel... Like, what was it about the piece at the time at 16? I don't know. I can't tell you. I just remember crying. I don't really remember why I was crying at all. But I mean, art is multifaceted, you know, I don't know. Like, Well, and I think that's ultimately the, the thing that I want to take away from even anyone who's listening to this, who 
maybe isn't a theater person who's like, I've never, I don't know Dervin Hansen, mm-hmm. is that art should create conversation. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, you know, like the theater shouldn't end at the curtain call, right? It's, it, you're taking it home with, you're crying on the way home, but right? you're processing mm-hmm. it's, it does something that, I think, it, and so when people are like, oh, I felt like the finale, I'm like, no, but the fact that we're having a conversation about the piece is what makes it a piece. It's That's what makes yeah. it art. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what emphasizes the communal aspects of art as well in those conversations, because we're not, as audience members, at least on Broadway, it is less of a communal experience sitting in those seats. And maybe it feels like it, but it's not, we are all here together. It's we shuffled in and a lot of us came in late and here's my coat. Uh, So I think being able to sit and talk about these pieces, old or new, and really unpack that together is just a a gift and is a level of consciousness, which is one of the things I wanted to promote about the pod. Mm -hmm. In your experience, so we're we're kind of going all over the place and talking about different pieces that have been um, produced at a high commercial level. But you're now working mm-hmm. for um, Cassidy. You're working for a nonprofit theater, correct? Yes. So when you're, or are you experiencing or noticing anything different in the development of theater in a nonprofit regional space um, and that is maybe educating your opinion or your viewpoint on seeing commercial theater being produced? Yes and no because they have a Broadway house and two off-Broadway houses. So ticketing and sales and big stars in the show is still a very important part of what they do. I I will say what is different is I think here our artistic director really likes the pieces she chooses. It is, we are the only theater devoted to producing plays only by living American playwrights which promotes a lot of new work and younger writers in there and more diverse voices, which Mm. I really appreciate and and have been able to see. I don't think that's all talk, which I, you know, as I've learned my buzzwords, I've learned that other people have learned them and can use them very freely without ever acting upon them. Mm. And I don't think that's the case here, which is really great. But I still, it just still takes so much money to do this. And I have a hard time viewing that from an accessibility lens that we want to put on this play about equity and it's going to cost $13 million. Hmm. Yeah. And that's how it, that's the average price of a Broadway musical, I believe is 13 million. I'm sure a play is a little less. Do not cite it. It is. I've always heard 14 million for a musical and then around 8 million for a play. Yeah. That still blows my mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) But it's, it's, it you know it it is you know there's unions it's it's like paying people say. at a region you know paying people at a reasonably livable wage um, in New York City you know there, there's all of those things that factor in yeah some but, things need to happen and some things take money and I have a hard time understanding that all the time but <laughs> it just yeah I feel like the reason I found my way into what I love is a lot of privilege and having a really sweet father who also loved these things and toted me around to all of them. But that access is such a privilege, and I was able to find that at five and you had said you found your way into performing very young as well and I am always at a loss for how we can make that better because then you 
theater does not have to be your thing. I'm not saying it does, but it's a lot easier to say, that's not for me. That's really weird. I'm not into it when your level of exposure to it is just not, it's not integrated. It's not in your classroom. It's not in your school system. It's not in your day-to-day -day life. And I, being in a theater and theater education and communities master student, that is super important to me in how we make this more accessible. I believe the statistic is if like, a student who has no interaction with the arts by the third grade, they're really not good. Like if they don't pick up an instrument or go to a dance class or go to a theater class, by then the odds of it sticking are just plummets. Really? Yeah. And that's, a, that's nine third grade, you know, that's early childhood education. Like arts integration wow. matters from the earliest point onward. And I, I don't think enough people care about that. Truthfully. Yeah. yeah. It could change a lot of lives. It could. Abby, what about for you? So you do a lot of technical design. Um, you have that side of that experience. What do you notice from the sort of behind the scenes, if you will, part of the industry that you would like to see change and you're hoping maybe your podcast and just your visibility might shift? Less men. <laughs> I say that with all the respect in the world to the men that I have worked with. Um, the men who have taught me everything I know about, because predominantly my experience is as a, uh, as a director is where I want to come from first. Um, and then I did actually work as a scenic painter for a little while. Um, but especially behind the scenes, um, it's a lot of men. It's a lot, a lot, a lot of like white men true too. It's just, it, and it's, it doesn't have to be, but it's like the place in the industry that I feel like the boys club still exists. I don't know if it necessarily exists in, um, in, in the producing world. I haven't spent a lot of time working in it, but it's just, it's so, it's, a, it's aggressive. It's weirdly competitive in certain ways. And every time I work with like women or queer people, it's, it's, it's so much more collaborative and how it gets to come together. It, it typically, typically is yeah. how I have, have experienced it. But yeah, I just, I feel like I work, I don't know. It's just always so weird to me to work on these stories that are like promoting love and accepting everybody and um, celebrating who you are, letting your freak flag fly, if you will. And like, then I, 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 like the word, like the B word is still thrown around in the workplace. I'm like, what is the, what's like, what's going on here? <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> Where is this line or what's happening? And it's just, it's cognitive dissonance at its finest. What do you think, and I think you that, know, oh, go ahead. I just think that can also be aided by early arts integration and education because we're but not absolutely. teaching enough people tech. We're just not. At the end of the day, we're like, oh, I need big, strong men to build my set for the musical, and I'm not going to spend any invested time in teaching students tech, which they can make a livelihood off of a lot easier than in performing. And it, it's just a skill set that's helpful. All of it will help you in life. All of it will be useful. Teach it to your students. Spend invested time teaching theater tech. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. So both of you, so, you know, both serving, I would say, minority communities, right? I feel like women in theater and, you know, queer people in theater, we, you know, there is an underserved um, power dynamic, I guess I would say, within the industry. 
Um, but I also noticed that as, as a member of the queer community myself, that a lot of people who do come from any sort of marginalized environment uh, hesitate to be seen. There's a hesitation. There's a, a fear to put their voice out there the way that both of you have with your podcast. Um, what do you think needs to shift or, or even for you, what shifted internally so that you felt it was worth the risk. It was worth putting your voice out there, even though you're like, I'm scared. I'm, I'm afraid. Um, how do you, how does, how would you suggest someone if they have an idea for a podcast, if they have an idea to create something, move through the fear and the hesitation? I think That's who you question. create with. Yeah. Great question. I think who you create with is super important. I think the fact that Abby and I can stand up here and speak to our transparency with each other and our process throughout this, I think you have to work with people you trust and people you feel seen by. Because if I, I trust that if I truly say something out of line, Abby will let me know. And that isn't their obligation, but Abby knows me and my sensibilities and I trust them and their judgments of what I'm saying. And I think being able to fall into that trust does take away some anxiety being like, I know Abby's got me. I don't, you know, I might be panicking in my head, but I have a trusted co-collaborator who would have told me if I stepped out of line. Yeah. Um, and I think a co-collaborator that builds you up. Like I think uh, working with Cassidy is great because Cassidy is always like, you're being silly and hard on yourself. Why are you doing that? I'm like, Oh my God, you're so right. That's so, that's so wise of you. God, you're so beautiful. Um <laughs> And you just got to, it's like building that network of co-collaborators that only make you feel good about yourself. Even if they're pushing you, pushing you to like continue to keep going, but only continue to make you feel good about yourself and feel good about the art that you're working on. Yeah. The angst of artistry, I think yeah. is real. Abby and I hated even listening to our own voices before this. It, like, and this really desensitized us to that, which is powerful. Truthfully, I used to hear yuck. And I'm like, oh, okay. I've had some thoughtful points this episode. Yeah. But yeah, I really think there's a certain level of trusting in yourself too. And the odds are that you're qualified and that you're skilled and that you're a voice that people want to hear most like, you know, odds are like people will take something away from what you have to say, even if you're, I don't know, running stand up bits that you're making up off the top of your head. Someone <laughs> will enjoy it. The podcasting market is this large for a reason. Uh, but in a larger creative sense, someone will enjoy it. And even it is okay to make your art with the purpose of you enjoying it. The sweetest mm -hmm. thing Abby says is that their favorite part of the pod is talking to me each week. And I think, and likewise, and that that in itself is enough. And so I think finding the small things that are enough for you to want to put this out there and to enjoy the process and just understanding that sometimes that's hard. Sometimes that is. Anything you want to add, Abby? No, I think she really said it perfectly. And it's true. And I think I actually, I said no, and I'm going to talk. <laughs> yes, Abby. Um, I think I found the, this, that early on, I think I, I think I got so overwhelmed when we first started because also when we first started, I was still in my undergrad. So I was feeling very much like I'm not even graduated. Like no one should be hearing my voice ever. Like very much feeling that and trying to chill. And I think I, I had to find something that I was like, what am I excited about? 
And I was like, well, the one thing I am really excited about is having an excuse to talk to Cassidy once a week. And it just kind of grew into being like, it's a delight and a joy and it's true, but it's also the mantra that keeps me calm and centered in the process. I, I just, I just uh, feel sweet. so optimistic about the future of theater listening to the two of you. Oh, that's very kind. Thank you. So I, I appreciate the directness, right? I, I, I appreciate the openness because you are direct. I mean, th- the fact that it's called Broadway bullshit, like says, <laughs> says it all, right? Um, but also, you know, it's underneath it, it has so much heart and so much um, belief and, and yearning for, for better, for something better and improved. And I, and I, I hear that and it makes me so excited for the future of theater, knowing the two of you are stepping into a leadership position within it. So thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Anything you want to add or say that we didn't talk about? None that strike me, but other than a thank you, this is lovely and we have so enjoyed getting to talk with you. We will be releasing our partner episode of this chat on Broadway Bullshit Pod. So if you like this so much, come on over and check it out. We had a really great chat with Brett. Where can people follow you individually and where can they follow your podcast? Our Instagram handle is... Okay, B-Way, Broadway... It's Broadway Bullshit, Bullshit, Bullshit Pod. Pod. Broadway Bullshit Pod. It's Broadway Bullshit Pod. I believe on Twitter and Facebook, we had to be censored. So we are B-Way BS Pod oh. or Broadway BS Pod. It's so um, confusing to keep it all together. And then our it, our website is also Broadway Bullshit Pod. Great. So you can go to BroadwayBullshitPod.com. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. And it's all there. We're streaming all over. We're on Stitcher. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple... Podcasts. Podcasts. <laughs> Apple. And yes. then and then do you each have individual um handles as well on social media? Yeah. I am Cassidy.kaye um on pretty much everything. On Instagram and on Twitter. I've got a few hot takes, but not as many as I used to. <laughs> Follow me. Uh and I'm uh Abby underscore Gale eighty four on Twitter, but Abby with an EY, like the road. Awesome. Well it was so such an honor to have you both on this podcast. I can't wait for listeners to hear my episode, which was a fun, juicy one Yay! as well, on yours. <laughs> and everyone, go follow them and keep being courageously creative. Hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us again. Thank you. Thank you.